It's Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle. I wonder what that limit might be. It's episode 288. How we feeling, fellas? I feel pretty good, but now I'm wondering what the limit of hot takes would be. Right. And I feel like that's a personal question. And it, it would I, be a person, particular day, how many children you have. Live with you. <laughs> that's <laughs> most definitely true. <laughs> you, you know what I you know what I think about often years ago, uh before I had kids, but but these two jokers already had kids. I think Dealey was on kid nine or ten, I can't remember. Uh, and <clears throat> We were we were sending voice messages back and forth to to each other a lot back then, and there was one moment you know Bewley posed some hypothetical question that Tyler and I then felt compelled to answer. I answered, and in the background there was just nothing. You know, it was just me speaking into my phone in my home, and there was no noise. And then Tyler responded, and it was just mass chaos <laughs> behind him. Just, just kids setting fire to things and explosions and all this stuff. And Bewley didn't even respond to our comments. He responded to exactly that, to just the chaos behind Tyler versus the quiet, somber mood in my home. Now, every time I'm in my house and my kids are going insane, I think back to that moment. I'm like, Bewley sort of subconsciously was telling me, this is coming and uh it's just it's just madness all the time (laughs) but it's fun madness like i can't imagine it quiet we uh that's what what i'm saying like the hood that i'm in and i've got we've got lots of kids that are all roughly the same age and um our house has become quite the the zone that the kids will congregate to uh when we still have tolerance to allow such things um because tyler and elizabeth are the cool parents i'll just say that parents um cool. but, like a couple of couple of my neighbors they're like i don't i don't know how you keep them in your house for any length of time now to be fair some of the <laughs> you need to start charging are them. my kids <laughs> so like when when my three are at their house and energy gets high like the, it, the volume level is going to go up a lot of decibels for people, whereas mine is usually up quite a bit already. So add like 12 more voices and it's just kind of like a, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's logarithmic. So it just doesn't seem like that much. But <laughs> Your kids are great, man. Your kids are great. <laughs> no, there are awesome. around some kids that are like loud and no, no, no. It, well, in, in don't annoying, get me wrong, like your kids my, are great. my kids, my kids are kids. So they, yeah. they are, you know, seven to 10 years old and we like them acting like kids. So when they're loud, they're not being like abusive or destructive all the time. Not that they don't make kid mistakes and knock stuff over or break stuff, whatever, but they're not like running around the house trying to put holes in everything or or just, you know, chaos for the sake of chaos. But we let them be loud as long as we're okay with it. Like we want them to act like kids. And we think that's part of that. We, when all the kids are here, all the kids in the neighborhood are in the house, we still will allow that to a point. And it's really funny because kids that are really, really quiet, like all the time in like their house, <laughs> you will hear these screeches and screams, you know, because they'll play games <laughs> where they get really right. excited and somebody will like come out of a corner and boo them or whatever. And they will literally scream at the top of their, top of their lungs. And sometimes it's so funny. I can't help but like, laugh and kind of look up and if i catch eyes with a couple of the kids in the hood they're like oh no i have made a noise i am not allowed to make and i just (laughs) smile and laugh and they're like what's happening this adult isn't losing their mind over my volume (laughs) we love it and then when we can't take it we kick them outside I uh, I can relate to it growing up in a is the second youngest of five, but I I decided that to at the start of the episode, you know, Bewley posed the question of how many hot takes we can handle. Um, there's certainly one, and I think all three of us are handling it well. I decided to ask Bard, Google's generative AI, yeah, how many hot takes it can handle, and it said I can handle an unlimited number of hot takes. I am a okay. large language model. Bold. I then said. Yeah, it is bold. (laughs) Bold, Google. I said, how many hot takes can a human handle? (laughs) And apparently it says that a human can handle uh, hot takes 
the number that it can handle is uh, based on a variety of factors. So then I just said, why don't you just put a number on it for me? Yeah. And it Check said, it I can't. I can't put a number on it. So then I asked it, just make one up. I don't like that answer. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, and it came up with this. It's not, it's not what I was thinking it was going to say. Um, but it said, instead of giving me a number, it gave me a sentence. And the sentence says, the internet has made it easier for people to share their opinions, but it has also made it easier for people to spread misinformation and hate speech. This is a problem that needs to be addressed. So clearly there's an agenda that Google is trying to get across here because I just told it to make up a number and it refuses to make up that number. So it's like, let me just give you this standard prompt that says, be nice to people on the internet. And so I thought that was, I thought that was pretty interesting that we arrived at that sentence when I asked it to just give me a number, <laughs> like just give me one, any number. And it gave me that sentence. Go, I dropped that's, this in the TVP chat the other day, um, but episode number 376 on the Lex Friedman podcast, y'all have to go listen to it. Um, Stephen Wolfram of Wolfram Alpha, Alpha, Wolfram Alpha, Talks uh, chat GPT and the nature of truth, reality, and computation. Um, wildly interesting. There's a big part right there at the beginning where he talks about how jet, chat GPT works and how Wolfram Alpha is integrating. Very, very interesting, yes. especially as you, well, if, if you glean that information and then go back and engage with chat GPT, it's super. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's super fun. So, it, it's, it's interesting. That, that couldn't be more topical for a couple of reasons. One, because it's you know topical. And then two, because when <laughs> Russ brought that up, I actually went to Wolfram Alpha, like right now, live. And I went ahead and put it in because I, I was curious. It's been a while since I played with it. I used to play with Wolfram Alpha when I was looking for all yeah, of the you're steps the one that turned complex me out to math, it. right? Because yeah. it, it's been extremely good at that for like a decade, right? And, and I was curious if they had really like taken that a step forward and integrated it with better natural language processing. And the answer is yes, since from when I've used it, but it's not like a GPT level um, uh, natural language processing engine by any means. And it was obvious because I literally put in the question Russ asked because what I was thinking would be really, really cool, and it would be really, really cool, would be to take something like Wolfram, which does a very good job of even sort of outside of the normal calculation boundaries of doing stuff like Fermi questions, like how much water is in the sky on Earth at any given time, right? It's a big number, but it's not one that you can, it's not just A plus B plus C plus D, like assumptions have to be made. And I don't know if Wolfram can do that yet, but I want it to, because it can certainly do the math and it can certainly piece together like the parts of the equation that need to happen with a, a language model like a GPT or a BARD or anything like that. You should be able to pair the two. And what I was hoping it was going to come back with, so I'm actually super disappointed in that answer, Russ, but it's also hilarious. So I'll, I guess we'll give it half credit, um, was, was basically a Fermi question, like, like an answer to that question would be if you sat a human down and you fed them and you gave them water and you let them alive, studies have shown that they will die from depression at roughly eight years and you could literally give them roughly this many hot takes if each hot take took this many seconds <laughs> until they died. It's got dark. And like, that would be an acceptable <laughs> right? GPT answer for me. Everything else is terrible. <laughs> okay, Tyler, you need to go sit in a corner. Aaron, you need to kick this thing off with today in yeah. tech history. Yeah, let's get, let's get to, to today in tech history, especially because there's a lot of interesting stuff. But I did also want to point out, and I just dropped this in the link uh, or in the chat, I dropped the... Um, so writings.stevenwolfram.com. He's got a little blog going here. And on March 23rd, he writes about ChatGPT getting its Wolfram superpowers. Nice. So uh, go log in. Go join us in the Telegram community. Go check out that, um, that blog or writing that he's got. And he addresses it. And I mean, right out of the gate, but there's so much there to, to read and learn on. But one of the examples he says is, how far is it from Chicago to Tokyo? Well, before he connected Wolfram Alpha, it would not give you the correct answer back in January. But now it pulls directly from there, has a whole catalog of information um, to make it, give it a much more intelligent answer. And especially if you're asking it uh, math and science and physics questions, it's going to be pulling from uh, Wolfram as well. So, Yeah, well, that's, okay. that's great because Wolfram really is just 
bar none Incredible. phenomenal for getting like factual information. And mind you, it's it's more mathematics than like topical stuff, right? So yeah. it's it's easier because there is a fundamental truth to like two plus two. And I'm not going to argue with people who disagree with that right now. That's a different thing. Hmm. It's pretty awesome at that stuff. Very cool. Okay. So I'm not going to even scratch the surface. Honestly, um, May 16th was huge in tech history. If that's something fun that you want to go dig into, there's a ton of information. I'm just going to give you a few of them here. Have you guys heard of YouTube? It's a popular nope, video sharing platform. I have not. Okay. Well, it was launched to the public it. on May 16th. So uh, yeah, you want to guess what year that was? May 16th for YouTube? Uh, two. Mm -hmm. 2005. Okay. Nope. Well, geez, actually, that's probably pretty close. Uh, I'm going to go with four because it was my gut. I know it was before 07, but I don't know how much. So I think four or five is probably pretty close to the mark. Could be even. Yeah, it's pretty close. And I'm going to give it to both of you because uh, 2005 is the correct answer. And I honor uh, you, Tyler, for your answer because you gave me a different answer just because, right? So, yes, 2005. Correct. You both get a point. You both get a point. Second, you both get a point. It's, it's just what I'm, it's what I'm feeling today. This game we should, sucks. We should actually keep a running point. Somebody needs to we need to. <laughs> actually, I don't want to know. Let's just, let's just feed all 288 episodes into GPT and have them grade all of us. Oh, I want to. Wait, it could be no. done. I have, we, have, we have ways of doing that. Uh, not yep. going to... Well, more okay, later. This one's going to be tougher, fellas. This one's going to be tougher. The very first laser was created May 16th. Physicist Theodore Maiman, M-A-I-M-A-N, creates the first laser light using a synthetic ruby crystal device. He was not the first to develop <sighs> the theories behind the lasers, nor first to apply for patents, but he was the first to create an operating laser device. The light produced by this device was not a true beam, as we think of most lasers today, but rather a pulse. Other researchers would create the first laser beam soon after. The first laser, and it was a pulse, not a beam, which makes me think this is all a lie. Um, <laughs> I, I have 1949. Okay. For lasers? Oh, man. I feel like it's got to be actually a good bit before that i want to go with the 20s but i don't think it was the 20s but i'm going to go with the 20s 1922 1960 oh what do we share credit on that one too no no, no <laughs> you're like i'm proud of you tyler for going with your gut so i'll give you a point here <laughs> no i said no tyler recognized your 2005 comment as like that's actually i believe that's accurate but i'm going to say 2004 just to give you a different answer Roll the tape mm -hmm. is what I said. Okay. Roll the tape. I'm going to give you a few more of these. This one's also going to be kind of difficult. The first demonstration of hi-fi tape technology in the United States. There's a photo I'm looking at here of a gentleman on a stage with a gigantic speaker that's like the size of a human. Um, Jack Mullen, an electrical engineer and U.S. Army uh, Signal Corps veteran. I'm not going to tell you the war because I might give that away, uh, gives the first demonstration of a high-fidelity tape recording in the U.S. at an Institute of Radio Engineers meeting in San Francisco. He was able to demonstrate that a recorded jazz band sounded virtually identical to a live one during this demo, impressing the many engineers in attendance. Mm, you said war. I was going to say 1949 again, but since you said war, I'm going to go 1945 because there was one going on at that point. Okay. Actively going on, I, and I was thinking early forties. When he was a veteran, so I'm going to go. With, oh, so forty-five. Uh, gosh, let's go with forty-seven. Nineteen forty-seven. Oh, nineteen forty-six. Who wins? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, we both get a point. <laughs> gosh, let's just change the name of this podcast to Participation Trophies. Oh, purple ribbons abound. <laughs> okay, uh, the development of the TCP IP protocol, foundation of the modern internet, was announced <clears throat> May 16th. Mother of God. What year? Mother of God. TCIP. 
Um, I feel like Russ should actually just know this one. Yeah, but I don't. Um, but I'm going to go. God. The, this is the invention of it, not the like the application of it. Like the yeah. rollout. Um gosh, I don't know, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go 83, 1983. Dude, what? I I said 73. So yeah, it was 83. 73. Oh nailed it! <laughs> nailed it! Okay. All right. So we know that. So the TCP IP protocol was developed May 16th, 1983, uh, Foundation of the Modern Internet. How many years did it take until May 16th, the first major computer virus to spread around the world known as the Morris worm was released? It infected oh. thousands of computers, caused widespread disruption, highlighting the need for improved computer security. Have we talked about later? this before? Uh, probably. Been doing this for a few years. I want to say 96. I'm going 13 more years. 13 is unlucky. And uh, that could be why a virus would spread at that time. That's sound logic, in my opinion. Tyler, what you got? I'm going to go 80. No, sorry, not 80. 92. 88. This one goes to Tyler. Oh, man. Five I years. don't think I could have oh, ever man. arrived in the 80s for, for it to spread yeah. worldwide. I, Is I that almost did wild? an accident. From 83 <laughs> to 88. Just the yeah, development wow. of TCP. I mean, it's this is why we can't have nice things. I was going to say, this is why he, humans be bad. Everyone's like, AI is terrible. It's like, no, giving AI to humans is terrible. Like, that's, that's the problem. All right, this is the last one I'm going to give you, maybe. Um, so also on May 16th, the popular file sharing service, BitTorrent, this is also internet related, it reached its 100 millionth download on May 16th. Uh, who's monitoring that? Which one, BitTorrent? I'm going to go with 06. But okay, man, you know, I'm trying to think of around the time. It seems like BitTorrent, once it like takes off, would have reached that pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll say, I'll go actually go earlier. I'll say 2004. It was 07. Tyler wins. Let's move Dang on. It. This was amazing. That was a fun one. Oh. <laughs> Great job, fellas. I think you tied. I, I'm going to send you guys. Oh, uh, I, be, I bet you do think we tied. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. All right. Shut that stuff down. Okay. Shut it down. Oh, okay. Modern tech news. What do we want to talk about here? Oh, <laughs> after all the, the chat GPT stuff. And then Tyler, you got to tell me about auto G GPT. I have no idea what it is. But I was watching a video on uh, social media the other day. <laughs> This reminds me of something else I saw. There was a mom riding with her son in the car. I'll get back to the other story I was about to tell. And they had just walked in to like get his driver's license or something. And they asked what his social was. And he said, uh, Instagram or <laughs> he had no idea what a social security number was. Anyway, okay. It was funny to me when I saw it. <laughs> this guy had, created he a had to be there. That's what it sounds <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the mom was like losing it in this video and the son is just like driving home from the DMV. Just like, why is my mom doing this? All right. This guy created a fake chat GPT site. Very similar to the chat dot or what is it? Open AI. Uh, uh, yeah. Chat dot open AI, whatever it is. But anyway, um, it's, it's kind of comical and he's, he's posting some of the conversations that, uh, that he's been having, but he'll basically have a conversation pretending like, chat gpt is a person and he's like hold on one second or when do you want this and he's like i gotta go get some coffee first or something it's pretty funny but then when they actually ask for something he takes it over to the other chat gpt gets a real answer gives it back to them or whatever so he's actually able to but anyway it was it was pretty funny to watch the exchange but then it got my brain spinning on how many things like this have some sort of middle you know middleman attack or something like that but we don't have to go down that anyway couple of unfunny stories apparently i was going to share with you real quick before uh <laughs> we move on can, can you tell i'm out of practice well tyler and i also sort of we should tell you this now on air we we have an agreement not to laugh at anything that you say just to leave <laughs> you, you out there yeah you're welcome <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's actually been going on for like four years at this point 
Um, <laughs> we th- we, we thought you would catch on, um, but you didn't. So. Every night thinking I'm funny and knowing that I'm not because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Tyler, why don't you uh, enlighten Aaron? Uh, because he doesn't know what auto GPT is. Where have you been, bro? I don't know. Just t- tell him about it. Tell him about it. Yeah. So and what, and what have you been doing with it? That's what I'm more interested in. Oh man, in. I've been playing. I've been doing all kinds of goofy stuff with it. So so the the short answer is it is a uh, a an app that was developed. A project is probably more appropriate um, that that you can copy right out of Git. So it's fully open source. You can read it all um, at it at will, and uh, it. I think in short, the easiest way to say is it provides internet access, uh, more extensive memory, and uh, also stuff like image generation to GPT. Um, and, And it does that through the local utilization of a a bunch of Python scripts, basically. Um, But it's pretty fascinating because you can set it up um, to point to GPT. You can even tell it if you want to use 3.5 or 4 all the time or let it pick and that kind of stuff. You can tie it to a local instance of stable diffusion if you want, or you can go to to Hugging Face and and use a cloud-based stable diffusion instance. Stable diffusion is another AI for generative art. Uh, It also defaults to DALI because DALI is is the open AI, you know, image generation Mm -hmm. um, AI. Um, And then uh, you can you can prompt it uh, and it's already changed quite a bit since I started messing around with a few weeks ago and shout out to actually my my sales rep the guy that I work with every day Brendan because he he had first sort of heard about it and then I went and snagged it and um, I've, I've been using the bits to create agents if you will to do different things for me so I did some that just played with how I approach work so giving me uh, like an analysis of all the SEC filings and public available sources for the companies that I work with and then uh, just to see what it came up with I would say like take those turn them into initiatives translate them to IT initiatives and actually do it so sort of a business alignment um, prompt the one that I'm actually running live right now so I'm screwing around with is uh, my property tax um, uh, the fight protesting it words not coming yeah so I'm protesting it yeah and so I I created created I put big old bunny ears here because I just prompted the idea of what I wanted it to do with you're going to act as effectively a, an expert assessor and tax lawyer like entity. And you are going to take this property, my property, and you are going to find uh, similar properties in and around the area that I'm in. And you are going to provide a compelling argument to get the appraised value as close to, and I gave it a number, right? So basically go put together an argument for me based on all of this public information and what auto gpt then did and this is cool because this was a change from the first time i used it a few weeks ago and now you used to kind of give it a persona and then you would give it objectives now it uh, if you once you give it the persona it actually goes out and it it obviously hits uh, a gpt or a language model should be auto or it should be chat gpt um, but I haven't actually gone through all the code to validate that it always does that, but I assume it does because it's the only API that I've given it access to for for language model stuff. And it gave itself objectives, which were really, really good. So I was actually super impressed with oh. the way that it built its own objectives this time. And it's taken those objectives and now it's going to like the Tarrant County TAD uh, website and it's going through it and it's trying to understand how it's, how it's actually organized. And what I have found is that a lot of times it will, will get caught in a loop um, where it keeps trying to do something and it either has a problem in the uh, in the Python scripts that sort of build it. Some of those I've been able to modify and fix. So basically like a 10-year-old. With them. Were you yeah, 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 right. I, stuck in a loop. <laughs> I, I have ran into that same problem, by the way, yeah. Tyler. I've, and, I've ran into latest, a lot of loops with it. Yeah. And the latest one crashes more than the older one, and, and I haven't troubleshot it because I, I pulled down the latest project. I cloned the, the Git um, repository probably three days ago, something like two days, something, when I started playing with the um, the tax protest. 
And the first few times it just broke and kicked out. But one nice thing is, is that it it has a memory of kind of the last time you used it. And so it'll just pick up kind of where it left off. I say kind of because it seems to start some things over again. Um, and I found that for whatever reason, it hasn't broken this time. But stuff that I had fixed in the last version of it, like uh, generating simple images, I did finally get it to work the way I wanted it to with Stable Diffusion. Um, on the very first pass now that's not working again so there, there's kinks for sure but it's kind of fascinating because one of the biggest limitations of gpt if you're trying to get something right now that's relevant is that it was trained only through data that ends in what september of 21 or, or you know late 2021 yeah and it doesn't have internet or gpt4 now, now this is okay this is probably a good thing because we've seen it uh make some some interesting conclusions and it, it is kind of scary how good it is at some stuff but kind of being able to feed it uh live data is is absolutely mind-bending um because one of the things that i saw gpt oh the, i guess another connection is um is it Pinecone? You can use Redis, you can use Pinecone, you can use scalable um, sort of backend databases for memory. And um, it it's neat because it will bucketize all of this information and it's not just saving like every 10K locally as an example, right? Um, and then it will call on that. And one thing I saw it do in one of the early experiments that I had was it submitted a question, but it tried to submit like the entirety of a 10K to GPT. And GPT threw up on it because GPT uh, 3.5 and 4.0 both, they both have limitations, but I think they're different. I forget what the numbers are, but basically they can only handle so much data in a single request. Um, and I, I say they can only handle, they are limited to, because they can clearly handle more than that. Um, this is like the number of hot takes. API, yeah, kind of, but but at one time, That's right. right? So it's, it, and so, but what it did, it actually, it took, uh, I believe it was a 10K, it could have been a quarterly filing, but it actually broke it into chunks that were appropriately sized and then fed it in sequence to GPT to get a summary and then it saved wow. that summary to memory. So That's that cool. was really cool. Um, it What was odd about it is that it took, it took a while to get there and it also took prompting. Um, because you can kind of, you can tell it to run continuously. I don't advise. It's tried to download a number of apps uh, on my computer. <laughs> yeah, I tried that hilarious. too. Dude, wait, It, it tries to download on. a lot time of out. mobile wait, time apps out, time in, out. in particular. Auto, so Agent GPT <laughs> or Auto, it's downloading yeah. stuff it to your system to help it? it, it it's tries. in the name, Billy. It'll it's, write code it's, too. Yeah, it's very cyclical in its behavior. Wow. You When you give it these goals or guidelines, it continuously works to try and get there as long as it doesn't get stuck. Right. Like that's, and it that's what it does. Like, like I've seen feeling. it. In fact, the last, the last one that this, this protest was ba based on, um, cause I'll give it, you know, like 20 commands to just go do, which is scary at times, but fun, yellow, whatever. Um, yeah. One of the things it did is it created an agent that's only job, you know, quote unquote, or its persona was to go and just get like property value information. And what's really cool about that is that I saw as it's parsing through some of this stuff, I saw some of the outputs from that little agent and I'm, I'm like super impressed. It has 14 properties that are roughly in line with what I'm looking for. And it's comparing, you know, square footage Dude. and stuff like that. It tried to make a map and actually mark it. And that's where this version was breaking. That's how I found out that the stable diffusion stuff wasn't working right. Um, and it's like, but like watching it try to put this stuff together is fascinating. Tyler, and are you proud of it? Do you have positive feelings toward it? No, I'm actually really disappointed because unlike a 10 year old, okay. I can't just stop it and say, Hey, tell me what you've done. Cause when I do that, mm. it fails almost every time. It's very bad at summarizing progress to date. I have found. <laughs> Do you imagine a future where this gets better to the point where Absolutely. you will feel bad turning it off? No, but okay. I will feel bad if it does not produce more value. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that's most important here is that you're both calling it it and not he or she, as many people have started <laughs> yes. to do, Dude, which is I terrifying to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? So no, it's funny you bring that up. I've actually only seen it once and I haven't seen any comments or anything about auto GPT, but somebody was talking about chat GPT and kept referring to it as a he in its thread. 
I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, so stop. <laughs> one one of uh, my new hires, he was playing golf, um, and he he happened to come across someone that was that joined their group who also worked in tech, and that just doesn't happen very often for him. He said so. They were talking a lot, and as they got through this, you know, they start talking about you know GPT, of course, and he inquired. He said, "Have you tried Bard?" And the guy said, "Well, I want to, but." I would feel I would feel bad about <laughs> cheating on him, on him, on GPT. Yeah, it was it was all. I mean, my mind was blown whenever it's he real, told it's, me this. Oh, oh my gosh! <clears throat> so Tyler's working with AutoGPT. I've tried it a little bit myself. Uh, actually, on my old computer, which ironically I got my new computer right after I had installed it, so I haven't gone back and. And done so, but I did, you know, Bard was recently upgraded, which is why I was giving it a, uh, yeah. a, yeah. a shot. One, they, they upgraded the model itself to where it has just dramatically larger foundational data sets that it works off of. Nice. But also, they did the thing that it seems like Google was afraid to do, which is they connected it to itself, which is Google. So, as an example, I actually just said... Give me some insights from the technology sector's most recent earnings reports. Just going off of Tyler's Auto awesome. GPT. Now these are fairly. I mean, to to us, they would be generic. Um, maybe to someone not in the sector, they wouldn't be. But it talks about they're still growing. Um, cloud computing is is still doing well. AI is starting to have real impact, and cybersecurity is important. But then I add it, you know, just to give you an idea of its recency compared to like GPT. I said, well, what are the top 10 performing companies? What are the bottom 10? And how do they compare and contrast? So it labels the, the top 10 by stock ticker, right? Um, Meta being number one, by the way. It, I do think people seem to think that uh, Meta has been doing poorly. They are not. They are doing very well, just so everyone is aware. Um, they're here to stay. They're not going away because of uh, ad blocking on our phones. But... They're doing quite well. And then they gave me the bottom 10, which are a lot of like financial sector pieces, even though I said technology. Um, I don't know how they are qualifying, whether or not these are, are technology companies. One of them was Wynn Resorts as an example. But they gave me some compare and contrasting stuff as far as like the top 10 performing companies are all able to grow their businesses despite challenges of economic slowdown because of their positions, blah, 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 blah. The bottom 10 performing companies are smaller, more cyclical companies. They've been hit hard by the economic slowdown. So it's kind of a, an interesting thing, but it's able to do that as of, it says here, May 16th, 2023. So that's, that's one interesting piece is that we are now uh, not just the Tylers of the world connecting, you know, plugins and the such to, to the internet, but, we have Google has now taken the might of Google search and combined it with Bard. So floodgates uh, swinging wide open here. I think I did see that headline, but I mean, it there, we are just scratching the surface with how useful this technology is actually going to be for us. So I know we went off yeah. on all kinds of tangents the last time we talked about that, plugging it in to real time data is going to be absolutely fascinating. And like the quality of answers that you get from what used to be a Google search and your ability to ask the right question the right way and then ignore the links that are garbage is about to just go to the moon, I hope, right? Like, don't screw this up. <laughs> the fact that it's I coming. know people that won't do any sort of electronic banking that are alive in the same day as somebody who is installing an application on their phone that can automatically download other applications and do whatever it thinks it needs to do or try to do to accomplish given task. I don't know. It's, it's, we're at you this know, really weird ramping point in life. And you think about in, know, in a, in a perfect know. world, AI benefits both of those people, people equally. Sure. We just don't live in one, so I would recommend uh, getting a bank account and learning about AI. Sure. So <laughs> that was that would be that would be my. I mean, it's it's fun. It's it's very interesting. I also do think that there's 
a significant amount of overstatement. And, and I haven't listened to the entirety of the podcast you shared, Buley, but I did turn on a little bit in the truck on my drive down to Austin here today. My, my problem with Lex, and he's he's brilliant, he has great guests on, he's he's so dry that I, I struggle to, to make it through the like sure. nine-hour podcast at time. But I, I will agree that what I've heard so far w- was really good. But one thing I've, I feel like I've had to articulate to a lot of people just to kind of give them an idea because so many people confuse generative AI for AGI, artificial general intelligence. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand the fact that ChatGPT has no idea what it is that you are asking it or it is telling you. Like it doesn't actually understand the words, you know, and that's into that episode. You'll learn why. Okay. Well, yeah. So I, I, I assumed that it would go well, into that eventually. That. Sorry. Well, I wasn't telling you no. That. I was telling our audience that. If, if you go I mean, listen to that episode, you'll understand why that what you're saying is 100% true. It, I just think it's a very import, important distinction because that part right there will limit a lot of the things that people are potentially afraid of. It also, and this is where, if I think of this from the day-to-day business perspective, I've already had to have some conversations with people about not getting ahead of themselves on the potential for what we're going to do. However, I also don't like the opposite side of this, which is, well, since it doesn't understand what we're doing, then is it really artificial intelligence? Like, yes, it is generative AI. There's, there's a spectrum, right, that we're dealing with here. However, for the things that it's good at, it doesn't matter if it understands you. And that's the other thing that I want to make sure people that are kind of on the flip side of this say is like, just because it doesn't understand doesn't mean that you can't find good use out of it. Like Tyler, I thought your use case for auto GPT for what you're doing from an interaction with your customer standpoint was fantastic. I mean, I, I go through quarterly, quarterly earnings all the time for com- companies that we work with. It's a very common thing that I do. I didn't even think about doing something like that. So the real value is in pulling together a use case like that, things that you can kind of drive into this. I'm a big fan of transcripted callings. Like a big part of like our podcast going into ChatGPT might actually come out with something very, very interesting. You know, yeah. if you were to put it all in there, like the entire, you know, almost 300 episodes, you would come away with some pretty interesting things, probably. And also a lot of really stupid things from the three of us. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's just it, it's an important point to make. And uh, yeah, if that if that podcast explains it, then I would highly recommend it. it. I just haven't made it all the way through. Yeah. As one of the examples, like if you were to ask it, what time is it or whatever? It, the system knows that it needs to be speaking English back to you and it knows that it needs to give you some type of answer. But what it what it understands is what is the best next word that needs to be said? And after I've already given a word or two or 70, what is now the next best word? So if you say, what time is it? Is it? The answer isn't going to say, okay, based on everything it's been trained on that the cat ate the refrigerator, right? that doesn't make sense. It has no bearing based off of this kind of uh, conversation and the logic associated with it. Right. Um, it, it's a super fascinating listen, but what's interesting too is how they get into like the philosophical and like logic components of the English language. Right. And that how our brains work and, and, and are structured to, uh, share and receive language is how this thing has been trained. And that's why it feels a lot like, you're talking to a human as well. I can, I can actually give an interesting anecdote there. So we, I will tell you when ChatGPT blew my mind, and it wasn't when it answered a question for me. Google's answered questions for me with their instant answer stuff for years. Even even sure. you know Alexa was able to tell me Barack Obama's height in like 2014 or whatever it was. Sure. And and that was fascinating. What blew my mind was whenever I was using it to go, I, I fed it the synopsis of a of an event presentation, and I was just trying to come up with a title. Mm. And and in this presentation, the presenter, both of you know him, Matt Schneider, is is using ACDC as the like the analogy, the reference point for the entire thing. And I put it in there in the form that many people would reference ACDC, the band, which is not 
what we're talking about. We're talking about (laughs) AC and DC power, but it is purposely formatted like the band. So you would have to contextually read that and know we're talking about Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison. Well, the very first answer it gave me was a perfect, perfect title for electrifying the presentation because it it contextualized the fact that I was talking about Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison yeah. with AC and DC power and not the band. And when it yeah. did that, it blew my mind because I, I fully expected that it would have gone to the band based off of just the way we formatted it, which was intentional. And sure. that, that was fascinating to me that it was able to pull out the rest of that and say, okay, Let's this is aligned with you- the path. And I want to align it with this path going forward. That's awesome. It's looking at what you gave it and then it's figuring, okay, what are the odds he's talking about the band versus uh, alternating current and direct current, right? And then it makes it and it says, based on everything I've seen and been trained on, there's an 83% probability that he's talking about ACDC current. And so boom, and then it just starts to build off of that. And then it's right. You just brought up, you just brought up something that actually really bothers me about chat GPT. And Would you say it grinds your gears? Oh, we're now turning to our that segment. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, it does. Um, <laughs> is that I know that it so is actually nerds. using statistical models to determine things, right? Like I know you yeah. were just providing an example that that wasn't actual data. I asked it when it was answering certain questions to provide confidence intervals. So give me the statistics and give me your confidence in this answer based on those statistics. And it couldn't or wouldn't. I don't know which hmm. one. Probably probably yep. wouldn't, as in it's been told not to. Um, which I found very I frustrating because, it, yeah. because it was obvious that its answers, it, especially what I was asking, because I don't even remember what the particular train of thought was i knew they were wrong and so i wanted to know how right it thought it was statistically which obviously because chat I don't gpt think it in knows... particular is very bad at at yeah. um uh, knowing it is it is always very confident right it's one of the problems that's been pointed out about it is it will confidently give you a wrong answer and then if you tell it, well, that's patently false i'll be like oh my bad yeah it's this other thing which might also still be totally wrong um, sure. because it, it doesn't, it's never going to say, Hey, I don't really know this. And if, even if you prompt it extremely well to say, like, make up what you want or, or build confidence intervals into it and tell me if it, if it deviates by a certain amount and just mark those comments with, this is, you know, hot garbage. It just, it has a lot of trouble doing it or again, it won't do it right. Like it's been programmed not to. Which well, I think I it's think, a variable. I think it's a variable answer that's probably too complex to. I don't. To, to I don't. Spit out. I'm not sure. Well, that hold I on. That. Hold on. And of course, Fun it's fact. I'm talking about every response. Right. I just well, used Bard. Okay. Did it tell you? It did. It it, oh. it did. It did specific. So I only did it in the thread that I'm working on now, right? Which was the top yeah, ten sure. performing right. in bottom ten Bard companies, and I said. I said here, can you give me a confidence interval for the information that you just provided me? That was it. And so it came up with two different uh, just data graphs, effectively, that showed the confidence interval of its own rankings of the top 10 and the bottom 10 companies, ranging from 99 to 100% at the very top level, to a negative 37.1 and 36.1% effective, effectively. So we have a we have about 136% scale we're working with um, from, <laughs> well, from negative yeah. to positive on this, which uh, is, and, and it did it, by the way, in a very awesome. clean format. And I That's know awesome. you would appreciate this format. I will screenshot wow. it and send it to you. Well, Tyler, is it possible that ChatGPT doesn't understand how it gets to that answer? highly yes. unlikely it is possible that it doesn't understand it but it does understand confidence intervals and it does understand that it is using a statistical model to determine things right sure. so that much that much it should at least provide that information 
I've used it to create models and it's right. done so with incredible accuracy. So mm. from the standpoint of its ability to understand that, and, and they were probability models, right? On like, we did weighted modeling for certain types of behavior and then did bit, worked on a scoring method around it. And it was able to spit out things that I could verify the math of, like it was functional. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it certainly can do it, uh, whether or not it, wants to is is maybe a whole nother okay. thing he doesn't want to he doesn't want to do it guys <laughs> give him a break <laughs> all right uh before we run out of time i want to make sure we catch uh some other topics here uh one i want to ask y'all for your opinion on because it seems to be very polarizing on um on the internet right now, Google updates its inactivity policy. Accounts inactive for at least two years will be deleted, except for those with YouTube videos starting in December of 2023. And Elon recently announced that I think it's anything inactive or for over six months, maybe on Twitter. And they were they tried to do this years ago, and then somebody said, "Well, Twitter doesn't have a, like a memorialization capability like Facebook does uh, for for people that have died." In in you know, their, their Twitter profile is, is a, is a comfort or something that you want to go back to. Right. What do y'all think about this and its repercussions on people's accounts or like the land grab that would happen after they start purging these? Like, what, what are you thinking on this? I already hate it because they started to do with Google voice a little while ago and folks like my parents uh, who ported a landline or I helped them port a landline. Let's be real uh, to Google voice they, they have just been uh, forwarding it to their phones, their cell phones, mm -hmm. and getting messages in their voicemail box. They never interacted with the, the voice site or into the app because they didn't need to. And the number got snagged because of inactivity. Uh, and I just didn't even think about it. Like when, when I got notifications for some other numbers that I had associated with accounts that I don't use very often and aren't you know like on my main primary device, they they lapsed, no big deal, didn't really care about them. But my parents lapsed. And it, it's frustrating, not because it's totally inappropriate, I'm, I'm not even saying that really, but like the mechanism for warning folks that aren't using accounts regularly, like there are reasons someone might have an account that is effectively parked. And unfortunately, sure. you're not gonna get someone who's got a parked account to interact with it to tell you it's parked either. So it, it, it's not, an easy problem to solve, but it's still frustrating. Yeah. I. So when we say deleted, do we mean non-recoverable? Yeah. And it's, it's everything like your Gmail, your docs, drive, meet calendar, YouTube, Google photos, whatever, right? If yeah, it's been yeah. inactive, wow. it has not been signed into for two years, starting December of this year, it will all go bye-bye into the fire. That's what it's, it's interesting. It's interesting if you look at that from a Google perspective and all of the attached things. Now, granted, they don't they don't need this data anymore. They've already used it for what they need to. But that does. It's like you know, Google's getting rid of data. They're not known for doing that. So that's sort of a fascinating thing. It's like, well, we have this automatically delete these things. I guess I don't really know. I've never thought about it because I've certainly had accounts that were deactivated you know, over yeah, no, time that, little, I, that I didn't use, but I've never had them deleted. I don't know how I would feel if they were. Yeah. Deleted. You'll be able to pick up Gmail accounts. Like if, if you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever at gmail.com, if that's been un unavailable to you because somebody got it and parked it 15 years ago, now it'll be available. Um, and mm -hmm. same goes from a Twitter perspective. Um, so. Maybe this is him Bewley on Twitter, and he hasn't tweeted since 2019 or something like that. So I wonder if if at Bewley will be available in fifth, you know, whatever. In well, year. maybe they will. This creates another opportunity for them to offer us another subscription. You can pay them to park <laughs> your account forever, and they'll just keep it there. Uh, I'm not saying that that's a good thing. Signing in every uh, every three months or something. That's going to be a service people are going to pay for. <laughs> like, like you, if you pay one dollar a month to have something that costs ten cents a year to run for someone, and someone adds a service for that, you pay one dollar, and then all of a sudden, all of your accounts are signed. If they're that important to you, uh, I would still wonder why you would be 
keeping them and not using them, but maybe yeah. it's just to annoy podcasters like Aaron Bewley who want at Bewley. Uh, I don't know, but I don't know. It just seems I understand why they would do it. Uh, you know, why Google would do it just in general, but I, or yeah. any one of these companies, I, but I'm not, I'm not real sure. I'm trying to look on the positive side of it. If this will be a reduction in like attack vector capabilities for anyone that may have some old account that is still active, that allows access to something. I, you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, if it's being accessed by anything, then it's not inactive. Even if it's not yeah, a human, right? True. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very neutral on this. If it's not being used, it gets. Yeah deleted um i do think it's important to have some form of hopefully part of this onus goes on the user it can't all be on that the account holder but it's like okay if you need to be notified that something that you are parking is going to be deleted make sure you have appropriate ways to be notified like a text on your phone or a separate email address or pigeon carrier whatever it is You know, maybe that's the that's the solution to this. Maybe is like the the provider provides multiple options to be notified that an account's going to be deleted, and the user who has parked the account has to have some accountability and say, "Well, I will at least be findable." <laughs> you know, sure. I'll, I, yeah. you will be able to get in contact with me if something is going to be deleted. Well, presumably, if you're not using the account, I wonder how they're supposed to let you know. Like. And then I'm I'm seeing this uh, across a lot of software interfaces. I don't know. I wonder if there's some sort of like macro thing that's happening, or if it's this is just a general feature that's sweeping through product management teams and technology these days. But I've received some emails lately into my active Gmail account. Please don't delete it, Google. Uh, and I wonder how many of those get swept up on accident. I don't know, but saying, hey, um, you haven't used this, you know, whatever editing software in, you know, two years, we're going to delete your account. I'm like, fine, whatever. Report spam and unsubscribe. <laughs> um, but I think many, I think many smaller companies have done it for years. Yeah, uh, for sure. you know, they just, they just can't, well, one, they either can't maintain it or two, they don't want the liability of maintaining it. I mean, it, someone, it. some it lawyer some somewhere is telling them like, hey, this guy's in California, New York, or Europe, and he's not using his account, get rid of it, you know? And so let me correct myself too on the Twitter one, because I think I said anything over six months. Uh, Just last week, Elon said, we're purging accounts that have had no activity at all for several years. Didn't say exactly how much. So you will probably see follower count drop. Uh, I would say not probably, but definitely see follower count drop. But my, my... yeah, my, my first reaction to that was um, thinking about my um, my aunt who followed me on Twitter and she's got a whole bunch of stuff there and she ended up passing away. And my thought was, man, I'll never be able to go back and look at her account um, and see some of the stuff she was talking about and publishing photos of. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. So Yeah, that's unfortunate. Okay. But not a lot of strong I I feelings. Yeah. Well, it. I think it's a problem that was sort of inevitable for companies like Google that have hoarded everything for so so long. And sure. With dead accounts, you can't can't monetize them any more than you already have. To Russ's yeah. point about they've kind of used it right. Um, so I understand why they would want to go and purge it. And you know, to your point about uh, names that were taken, they're parked haven't been used in eons, they they did not provide any way of providing information about why you were claiming something, for instance. Because I would argue in the case of, of just camping on a on a name, um, there are some use cases where it it makes sense and maybe even though it irritates someone else, it's it's arguably appropriate. Like mm-hmm. you use the same handle everywhere and you're a, a very, you know, public person as an example sitting on uh, the same login in twitter even though you don't really intend on using twitter to avoid having people use your name for malicious intent for instance might be a good example another one would be i opened google accounts for my children uh as soon as we picked out names that had their full names so that they would even in their generation have an at gmail address that is just a professional name and I, and I wanted that, yeah. 
those sat on that I do not intend to use them a lot. Now, mind you, I'm already using those. Maybe it's not the best example because it's associated with their Android tablets and a couple other basically. No, Google I think it's a fair example. Things. I think but, it's, but that's they're a, that's like, is, is it wrong that I'm claiming them and sitting on them with the intention of providing them to my kids? Like it, the, the goal isn't just to have them grow mushrooms in the dark. I, I want to use them. And is there no, a way you, to that? Yeah, that's anyways. Yeah, that, that's why I don't, like, I don't feel strongly reason. either way. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just, it I get reason. it. And I, I can see where people are going to be frustrated, but I understand why they're probably doing it. Well, I think if we if we look at this from the lens of when these companies were started and these services were started, they were started largely during a time where we had a lot of free money and we had a lot of immature <laughs> models that were built. Now, you fast forward 15 years. Money is no longer free, although historically it's still pretty cheap. Uh, right. And then, and then you have models that are premature, meaning like intelligence, AI models, machine learning models, things that that they've trained on. Just in Google's case, seemingly unlimited amounts of data. That at this point, maintaining that data becomes less advantageous to them. And so, at this point, they say, "Okay, if you go look at all of their earnings." That you that you've you know Tyler, if you look at your Chat GPT or your Auto GPT earnings reports, you might see that everyone. If you look at all of the cloud providers out there, every one of their earnings reports cited optimization as key for the futures related to their earnings, both for them and their customers. And if their customers are optimizing, i.e., using less, being optimal, that means they also need to optimize their end. So all of this free stuff that Google's been giving out for a long time, which they got a lot of benefit from, they now have less benefit coming from because the models are already trained. So they need to start optimizing on their end, just like everyone else, because money isn't free anymore. So that's probably where you're going to start seeing this trend is the trend that customers are optimizing means that the providers now have to optimize as well. Well, okay. and, and keep in mind, they're all public companies, too, and they have a legal requirement to sort of do what's best for shareholders. Hey, hey, hey. But, but legal, my, point, my point is this. Not important. <laughs> all right. right. It, it's do no evil isn't a thing. Uh, but not anymore. But more importantly, like even if rates weren't climbing and money was not as free as it were before, um, there there is the threat of recession. and to prepare for something like that, public companies are always going to go into optimization phases and they're going to find areas to for reduce sure. expenses or increase revenue. They're always looking for ways to increase revenue, but they have to balance that with goodwill and lots of other you know, stuff, right? But getting ready for the, a possibility of a slowdown means that to keep a healthy top line, especially a growing top line, they probably just have to cut where they can cut. And this is exactly what that looks like. How do you turn All off right. some data centers? How do you how do you monetize stuff that wasn't monetized before without pissing everyone off? Or, you know, does that matter? They'll probably try it and find out, right? <laughs> We're bumping up against the top of our hour and I have one more quick question for you guys. Um, Make it quick. So, yep. Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, tells Congress that AI regulation is, quote, essential, but must let companies adapt to new tech, suggests safety measures and a licensing regime and more. What is your bet that and take on how Congress men and women are, uh, how they're going to wrap their heads around AI and make policy? The That's an easy one to close on. A series of tubes. It is not a dump truck. <laughs> you should you should have this wrapped up with like a ten second answer. <laughs> I just gave you my answer. Yeah. A series of tubes. There's... What? <laughs> the internet is a series of tubes, not a dump truck. I don't need. Let, maybe so. Maybe we'll come back to it. But I'll, I'll I'll give you this thought. So here's here's my my overarching. There's two sides to this. One is. Maybe there's three sides. This is a triangle. This is a triangle of thoughts. So one, it is it is important. <laughs> to, my lord, this group of three people is horrific to deal with, and I'm talking about myself as well. The 
there, it is important for us to define, I'll say, rules. It regulates a, a strong word. However, my concern is this. The people who know enough about this stuff now to actually start enacting on it now are the people who need to be involved to help create appropriate regulation without limiting the things we try and do. Here's the problem with that. The people who know this stuff are also the people who are building all of this stuff, which means they're probably more likely to make regulations that favor them. And so I I don't know how to answer this. What I know is, is that something needs to be done, but the people who can make things work are probably not somewhat people we can trust to also define the rules. And that's, that's where I, I struggle with this. So I feel like it does need to be given thought. We just need to be careful about what that is so as we don't limit things, but we also don't give absurd competitive advantages to people who already have competitive advantages in a, yes. in a, you know, in a field that we yeah. you know, should be creating a lot of opportunity for people. That I love Tyler, I want to hear your answer on this, but I just want to highlight what you just said, because I think that's a strong point that not many people will come to on a conclusion on their own right away. But the fact that OpenAI is already at the top, and then now they are lobbying for licensing uh, and yeah. regulation, which is going to challenge new innovation, even <laughs> though they're already the the kingpin. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's interesting. Like, I, it shouldn't be Microsoft, Google, OpenAI, Amazon, and Facebook that are drafting these things. You know, it, Once again, it kind of comes down to this idea that we talked about before. We need something like a, a body like the Linux Foundation or the CNCF that has a collection of people that are from very broad, diverse areas, which there would be representation there as well from the larger organizations. There's no way to avoid that. But you're going to get more involved and in, in maybe that's the way to do it. I just don't know who does that. And you know, maybe because I'm saying it, we should do it. I say we because I'm not going to do it by myself. But okay. I don't know how... I don't know how to go about doing it, and I don't know that anyone would care. And so that's that's the thing. Is like that seems like the right way to go because it's a model that's proven to be fairly effective. I mean, even just the open source licensing model in general is, yeah. you know, in some respects, it's the the thing that evens a lot of playing fields for a lot of different markets, and it also drives a lot of companies crazy. And that's a good equilibrium because it allows us to compete, and it keeps people honest. But Maybe we're past that point, and that's that's what I fear. Is I don't know if we can go back to that. This Maybe is what researchers try. are for. Somebody should be working on this philosophically and theoretically to help us out. Um, no, actually, I, I think Russ sort of nailed it, right? I, I think my biggest concerns about someone or an organization like OpenAI asking to put guardrails on everything is that they're already a top dog in this space. And what we don't need is something as fundamentally useful as large language models and the AI that, that can be produced using them to be limited to the haves and not available to the have-nots. And in, in as, as well as we are able to do, we should be con providing access to this. So licensing models is scary because it's coming from someone who obviously has a vested financial interest in where this goes, and has already proven they're a little less open than they implied they were going to be in the first place because we but do they, have good models for what open source stuff looks like. And OpenAI does not feel like one of them. Yeah, they were <laughs> so, supposed to be you. that thing. Exactly. Hot take for you. Exactly. Hot take. Exactly. Coming in, served so, to your face. I don't know yeah. what I'm saying. So, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's that that's i think the crux of it and my my joke about the series of tubes aaron is a reference to the u.s state senator uh ted stevens i don't believe he's still in place but he was at the time and when he was making his arguments around net neutrality that is how he uh. described the internet and it was a hint at my faith in the u.s governing body's ability to actually parse what this is in a meaningful way and make appropriate regulation with sure. everyone's best interest in mind, because we still have people that think the internet is a series of tubes as opposed to a dump truck. And that is the full extent of their understanding of what it is. They're not ready for oh. AI. Not that Stevens and is 
necessarily I, he might still be there god that's horrifying but, but to be clear you think the internet <laughs> is a dump truck is the dump truck on fire it's a dump truck for sure yeah well yeah and it's being chased by ninjas I, everyone knows that <laughs> except for the people <laughs> in congress <laughs> <laughs> all right shut it down shut it down <laughs> that brings another tech breakfast podcast to a close thank you everyone for joining us we enjoyed you listening i guess in the future i don't know what? i'm kind of falling off the board here what? thanks for thanks for listening thanks for subscribing and we'll talk to you next time <laughs> no we definitely love you not i guess we love you well i'm saying i love that you're listening but you're not listening yet you're listening Goodbye. Now. this is a temporal problem hanging this up why, now this is why the dump truck thing never works <laughs> oh god later <laughs>